We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. What's good, Knicks Nation? Welcome back to another Game of the Week preview. We are previewing the matchup between the New York Knicks and the Philadelphia 76ers happening tomorrow night, Friday, 7.30 p.m. You can catch it on ESPN. And who better to help preview this game with me? None other than Dave Early. You can find him as the leading voice for the Liberty Ballers, part of the SB Nation Network. But before we ask Dave how he's doing, make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to share the links to this video. And make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. All right. What's going on, Dave? How are you feeling today? Thank you guys so much for having me. I've been a fan of uh, CPNL for a long time now. Listen to your guys' stuff. I also get my stuff from uh, McCree and Schwinney when I needed my Knicks fix. As you guys know, I grew up a Knicks fan uh, before I started covering the game and my text messages have just been so lit on all my friend chats since the, <laughs> since the OG trade. Like, I open my phone and I'm like, I have no idea what I have to do today for work because my friends are just banging on this uh, blockbuster that happened a few days ago. Hey, man, OG's been awesome. Uh, you know, we made the Josh Hart trade last year, went on a 9-0 run, make the OG trade this year or 2-0 right now, and going into a tough matchup against the 76ers on Friday – before we get into that matchup, man, what have you thought about the Knicks this season? I mean, every time I try to rank Jalen Brunson, I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> he's, he's like, <laughs> you know, like uh, I was defending the move in the first place because of his height. A lot of fans were like, you know, can you really win with a lead guard? Who's, and I was like, well, Donovan Mitchell is about the same height and Jalen has a bigger bag and he gets the better of them when they meet up in the playoffs. So with the ascendance that you've seen from this dude and the bag that he has, uh, I do think it takes a little bit of the pressure off Leon Rose to make a move like this. Not, not that he paid the price for a high-pressure trade, right? Um, I think it was a no-brainer from his perspective as much as I love IQ as much as you guys did. Um, 
But yeah, the, the Knicks look like they're prime now. At this point, I, I did hear Kevin Pelton recently say, I love this trade for the Knicks. I don't know if it's going to make them better in the short term. And I was thinking, that's interesting. I guess I couldn't be shocked if it took them some time to acclimate. Um, you know, Schwinney Pooh's been banging that drum for replacing IQ's workload. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. got his eye on a on a Tyus, or we, we can get into that stuff later. But Knicks are very impressive. And I do believe, like Stephen A. Smith said, they're maybe one piece away now. Maybe one Donovan Mitchell trade away from being legit contenders. I don't want to hear anything from that fake Knicks fan, man. That man <laughs> tunes in. He, I, don't even, I can't even call him a Fairweather fan. Man didn't even know who Hartenstein was. So let's get out of here with that nonsense. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Who had a big game last night. But what are your thoughts about the OG Ananobi trade so far? Like you, you mentioned that you couldn't see, like, the, you agree that you can't see the immediate impact. Like maybe you take a two step back. And it kind of looks that way with how the teams. Not saying the win record wise, like starting unit looks phenomenal. Just the spacing is much better. It's clicking better, even though OG is still trying to get acclimated. But the bench has certainly taken a step back. And now you're relying more on Randall and Brunson to uh, play more minutes, which is the fallback of making that type of deal. But what's your overall thoughts of the OG trade so far? I mean, you guys know I'm a Sixers fan, so I was upset. I really wanted OG. I was one of those people who was in our chats. I was like, I'm not worried about paying him. Um, some people were talking about that fifth year. I think it was Ben Dietrich on Cookie's Hoops were like, was anyone going to pay him $50 million in, in a single given year? Do you really want to pay a guy who might be your number three on a, on a chip team that much money? To me, this is a straight-up coup for the Knicks. Uh, if I was a tabloid writer, I would definitely get into some Leon got revenge against Masai for the old Mello trade, maybe the old Bargnani trade, right? Oh, I don't want to hear about that guy's name. Please, no. <laughs> because, because this one was so lopsided after months of speculation that they're turning down three and four picks from Memphis, Brooklyn, New York, whoever it was, these mystery teams offering massive packages for OG. And they got him for basically RJ, who we're not sure was a positive asset in this deal. And quick, you know, I guess he was, it makes me wonder, did ownership have a little bit more influence in this deal than we're typically giving a Masai Ujiri credit for? Because was there someone saying, hey, I don't want you to completely blow this thing up. I want to bring in a hometown hero who's going to sell tickets for me in the short term. Because when I saw that they were only getting a second round pick, I was like, God damn this Atlantic division. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I look when I look at the deal, I, I think it, for if you look at it from a Toronto's perspective, and I said this on the NBA report yesterday, another show that CP and I work, and, and make sure if you want to tune into that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three PM every single week. Uh, I said that for this, you look at Masai Ujiri, and it's like, hey, I don't feel like doing a complete rebuild where I have to go draft players. I want some young players who are pretty established, so that way I can continue to build around Scotty Barnes and whoever we have on this roster. And I mean, even if you hear like some of the trade rumors um, and what Masai's doing, it still looks like that. I mean, even when you look at Pascal Siakam and looking to make a trade with Atlanta, they're looking to get like a young guy back from Atlanta. You know what I mean? So it's not, I, I just don't see Masai just going through the complete draft route and just waiting and waiting and losing. I think he wants to have something competitive on the floor and try to do it that way. Um, that's my kind of like, Bro- kind of like Brooklyn with Mikhail and a bunch of picks and maybe some tradable players like DFS. 
Yeah, the thing is that Brooklyn doesn't have a tradable player outside of Bridges, and then you look at Toronto, who has Siakam. You could you could argue say you could argue saying Toronto has more assets and players that they could trade than Brooklyn. But that's my I mean, way. If we go back and say like Lowry and Fred VanVleet, they should have traded all these guys for picks. But yeah, I mean, we won't have that conversation about Masai. This is the, we're previewing the the Knicks 76ers game, so let me move on to the 76ers. Masai's downfall is kind of Knicks related, though. It it is so kind of your number, but I, I, that's a whole other show. I could just you could just leave me to go <laughs> ramble on by myself. Two shits. Speaking about the 76ers, though, because that's the full who we got this week. Joel Embiid, man, won MVP last year. He's on a monster run this year. Talk a little bit about Embiid's MVP run this season. Did you expect this? Or what are your thoughts have been on Embiid so far? No, I was prepared to say that Joel has plateaued the last three years. He had that reputation as like, you know, people would always say, Zach Lowe would always say, if he's ever healthy, bought in and in shape. But he comes back every summer better than he was, legit better than he was. And I know he would be the first one to sit here and tell you guys that a lot of the credit goes to Nick Nurse for implementing a new system. Um, there was a report from Ramona Shelburne at one point that he watched the finals and he was watching like, you know, defenses have to really key in on KCPs and MPJs, which would leave open the backdoor cut to a guy like Aaron Gordon. And there mm-hmm. was so much more movement. If you go back and watch game six at home, Philadelphia hosting Boston to close out to go to a final four, the offense looked perplexed. I mean, they, they ran vanilla into the ground. They ran the Harden and Bede pick and roll into the ground. And it worked. And Bede was nursing an LCL. But Boston wasn't confused by what they're doing. Maxie puts his head down against Jalen Brown. Derek White is right there to cut him off. The ball gets kicked out to Harden, who doesn't want to shoot a catch and shoot three. The offense is dead. So watching them now, guys are moving. Guys are cutting. you got guys like Batum hitting these spot-up threes that weren't there a year ago, and it's resulting in Joel getting more looks and Maxie getting uh, a little bit more room to grow as a as a potent three-level scorer, which I didn't know we were going to say. So, yeah, the short answer is Embiid gets better every year, but he, he does owe some of it to Nurse and Maxi's ascendancy. Do you think that Embiid, like, because his scoring that he's been doing this year, and, I mean, even the thing that has really changed is his passing. I think that's the one thing which you could talk about to Nick Nurse's implementation on this offense, but I didn't expect Embiid to be as better of a passer this year than years past, was what have you made of that so far? For years, you know, you go back to the Atlanta series and just the way Nate McMillan's defense confused him into throwing these like leaning back cross quarters that Lou Williams could easily pick off. Mm-hmm. Um, there were guys out there, like I mentioned Ben Dietrich, who would say Joel is a good passer. He just hasn't been a willing enough passer. So if that, if you buy that theory, and I'm not sure that I do because I've seen him strand spot up shooters who had just hit one countless times. And I think maybe he didn't see them, but if you do buy that theory that there's a little bit of, you know, Joel makes no secret. He's idolized guys like Kobe and KD. He wants to hit that shot and he wants to be able to hit that difficult shot. If you buy that theory, then maybe now the answer is he's got more trust. And I don't know that I a hundred percent buy into that theory. Because I think he has improved his passing, and I know Drew Hanlon will tell you they work on things like that and the type of reads he's going to see. Because there's very few players in history who get doubled and tripled by the second round. 
like Joe does. I mean, you can go to LeBron, Jimmy Butler. Even Tibbs wasn't putting that many players on Jimmy um, to slow them down because he was worried about the lob to bam. So when it comes to a guy like Joe, I mean, what can you do besides throw the house at him? And if Joe's going to be making these passes and guys like Max, you're going to hit as many threes as he has. Only four players have hit more three-pointers so far this year than Maxie. And Steph Curry is one of them. Um, it makes him surprisingly dangerous in a way that I didn't expect. Heading into this year when I was prepared for a James Harden, Ben Simmons style, <laughs> February, whatever. Do you think Embiid should win MVP again this year? I give him my vote for now. I'm obviously biased, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, there, when you want to win these narratives, you look at the best three or four players and you say, does lifetime achievement award factor in a little bit here? Should he have maybe gotten that one where Jokic manned a six seed that went on, you know, I would vote for him. I think what he's doing is just incredible. The injury and load management situation is the only reason he's not the current MVP favorite right now. He missed four games. That's what allowed Jokic to catch up to him on the DraftKings odds. So, yeah, I think he could be MVP again for sure. He's a a two-way player, man. He's awesome. For sure. Salute to Knicks Nation and everyone tuning in for this matinee edition of the Game of the Week preview. Salute to our franchise channel members. Salute to Ant and J25 for becoming a welcome to the franchise channel membership. Salute to and Tyrrell Johnson Jr., salute to you for becoming a franchise channel member as well. Salute to our regulars in here as well. Salute to my two cents, Christian B. We got D-Block in here as well. And shout out to Christopher Blake as well. Shout out to Kudot Video. Welcome to the franchise channel membership as well. All right. Moving the show along. Do you expect Maxi to take this leap? Because he's just been different this season, man. I mean, he was good, obviously. The past few seasons, he worked as coming off the bench previous year. But, and then he could learn under James Harden for uh, a few, like a season and a half, essentially. But, you know, losing James Harden, I thought that was going to be it. Maxie just came out of the blue and now is just rising consistently this season and just put it, putting the league on notice of how great he really is. So did you expect him to take the leap this season? No, not to the degree he has. Um, You know, the Sixers got really lucky that he didn't make it to the tournament. You remember how for most of that year back in 2017, um, Malik Monk was ahead of De'Aaron Fox on many of those consensus boards Mm -hmm. in the tournament. and, And Fox just waxes Lonzo Ball, who was projected first or second overall pick. Fox rose. For good reason, because those big games under the lights at Kentucky, for example, if you see a guy ball out like that, maybe you think he's got something. When the Sixers first inserted Maxi into the lineup, it was one of those games Ben Simmons was getting, you know, hack a bend against Atlanta in game six. The season was on the line. They were facing elimination and they threw him out there and he balled out and saved them. And he had a huge game five dropping 30 on the road in Boston. So He's around that age where some guys like, you know, some older players have really performed well in college, and he's put it on film in the NBA, on the road, in hostile arenas, in the playoffs. So as a fan, you were like, he's got something else in him. He can hit that big shot. He doesn't get so tight. But to answer your question, no. Did not expect him to show up with such a good left hand, such a good step-back jumper, and such a good change of speed, you know, the best thing about Jalen Brunson right now is his ability to get into the lane 
when it's not there, keep his dribble alive and reset up the way Steve Nash used to do. And Maxi was always a one-gear man. He was 100 miles per hour to the right, but not this year. This year, he's, he's mastering a little bit of that break check, where if you're on his back, he could stop, and he's getting free throws more now. So he's added a lot to his bag. And I, I learned, I talked to Drew Hanlon at the beginning of the summer, and he talked about better in the half court, better with the left, better creating. Mm. And, and Maxi's credo is 1% better every day. A lot of these teams look for a guy with a growth mindset. We know Ben Simmons might not have had that same growth mindset. That <laughs> Man might can't put, even take a jump shot. <laughs> he didn't even want to for, for like four years. So um, having that mentality that Embiid has of like, I'm, I'm going to work on my weaknesses very, very hard this summer. That's something that you can't always predict in, a, in an athlete. It's, you, you listen for it, but they can all say it. They can all charm you in an interview, you know, a pre-draft meeting. So, but he really has it, and he's put his money where his mouth is, and he looks like a, a super max player at this point. So is he your leading candidate for most improved this season? Um, who's my top competition here? Are we going with Halliburton, or is he already – he was already too good? Ooh, that's a good one. See, it's like – it's tough for, like, Halliburton because, like – you knew he was going to be good, especially last year. I mean, Pacers were in play-in, playoff contention last year, and it was at his doing. He's taken it to another level for sure. I guess you could put him in there because he went from, like, star to, like, superstardom. But for, yeah. for Maxi, for Maxie, I would say, like, he kind of went from being your third option to now being a lead dog almost. So... That's true. That's true. He was, he was your clear third last year. And I, I wrote about it a million times saying Harden and Embiid are your top two guys. But I'm looking at the odds right now, and Maxi's a runaway favorite, followed by uh, Shangun and then Kobe White. So Vegas seems to think this is a wrap. But I think a guy like Scotty Barnes could probably make a game out of this thing. So could Franz Wagner. I think the Shangun one is definitely, I think that's more plausible in my opinion than closer to Maxi, just because you constantly see those memes floating around Twitter where it's like the evolution of just like, you talk about like Charmander, Charmillion, and then Charizard where it's like Charmander is Sengu, <laughs> Demontis Sabotis, Charmillion, and then Jokic is like Charizard. It's like, I feel like that because Sangoon wasn't really discussed like that. Like, he was intriguing. But now, right. like, when you watch him this year, it's like, oh, okay. The, oh, you he can even argue that Sixers. that's his team. He destroyed the Sixers a few nights ago. And they just had no answer. I mean, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, those guys were – Paul Reed, they were perplexed. Because he gets into the lane, you think he's got a baby jump hook, and then he just hits a man wrap around for a dunk. And he's got great vision. For sure, for sure. But let's talk about the guy who's really helped change dynamic and like the look of the 76ers team, which is Nick Nurse, man. Because under Doc Rivers and what we have Tom Thibodeau as this as our head coach. And Doc's I think guy. last year when we did this preview last year when we did this preview between the Knicks and the Sixers, we're like, it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme where they're just pointing at each other, where it's just like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna pick and roll you to death. And it's two clear-cut guys and, and offensive creativity kind of goes out the window. So <laughs> let's talk about Nick Nurse, man. What are your thoughts have been about him and what, how he's changed the 76ers team? I, the weight off my chest as a Sixers fan when the Sixers finally dumped Doc was, it was just bothering me because I knew that if Joel would have texted 
Chris Paul or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, they would have been like, I know that you love this MVP stuff, but if you really want the finals MVP, you're going to need a coach who can go up against a Spo or anyone who's coaching the stacked Boston Celtics, right? Because Doc has proven over the last 12 years since his championship run, and it's kind of gotten worse since, that he's not that guy. Um, he can do it if you gave him the third star. If you'd given him one more guy, if you, if you had landed OG when he was here, maybe he could have figured it out. But I just think the vanilla gets too easy to scheme for a guy like Spolstra in the playoffs. And Nurse is not. Nurse is, runs an unpredictable offense. I don't know what the Sixers are always going to do. I know what some of their bread and butter is by now. You know, they've got some horns action where they can get a lob to Tobias if he has a mismatch. The DHO between Maxi and Joe isn't something that only began with Nick Nurse. That started with Maxi and Joe in the summers working out together with Drew Hanlon and saying, hey, you know, let's get a little bit more of what you used to do with JJ. And that's added a whole new dimension with Maxi's finishing and improved shooting. So the Sixers are, have been top five in offensive and defensive rating. And I would not have predicted that even as a Sixers, uh, you know, reporter. Credit, and, credit to Nurse. He's got these guys bought in. He's got guys like Kelly Oubre playing defense. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Do you see – so when I – shout out to my guy, uh, Will Lou, who covers the Raptors for Sportsnet. Uh, when Nurse was the head coach for the Raptors, they said they called him Nick Thibodeau because he too likes to run with a short man rotation. Uh, and then also is defensive, uh, defensive oriented. Do you see a bit of that with uh, the 76ers? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's funny. I just did a pod with my boy, Adil Royster, who was saying, I wasn't sure what I thought about Nick as a defensive chops coach, which kind of contrasted with my own opinion. You know, I think of those Kawhi Leonard-led teams. You got Siakam. You got OG when he was healthy. 
got Gasol, who played Embiid really well. And then after that, in those days when they had just like 10 players who were 6'9", you know, Boucher, Birch, uh, just a million guys you could run out there. They always played Joel in a, in a way that was impressive, in the way that KD would call a trash defense, mm-hmm. you know, kind of junk it up, the way Minnesota has played him over the years, just like send the house and see if he could pick you apart as a passer. And that's worked. Um, so, yeah, I think Nurse has that ability to get these guys to buy in. I think he's a very, very creative. And I think he is much more willing to experiment than Doc was. Doc used to play his starters together with the underlying assumption, the more reps they get, the better they'll do in crunch time in the playoffs when I'm going to rely on that anyway. Whereas Nurse like Tom seems, <laughs> And they won a title together, so it's not surprising. They're yep. resting on their laurels a little bit. I still call Tibbs a rich man's Doc. but. Um, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody in the chat, do you think uh, Tibbs is a rich man's doc? What's, uh, let's get your thoughts on this. <laughs> I would have rather had Tibbs and doc over the last three years. I'll say that. Mm. Okay. Okay. Last one before we get into the, this actual matchup. Do the Sixers need to make a move by the trade deadline to I don't know, move up the rankings? Because right now it just seems like everyone's talking about even though the Sixers are in the top three conversation, it seems it's pretty clear cut that it's Milwaukee and the Celtics. So would the Sixers need to make a trade in order to like climb up even higher, or do you think they're fine as is? I do. Um, I was just having a, a debate with my boy Trill Bro dude who hosts the You Know Ball pod on Twitter, and he was thinking Sixers have been unequivocally better than Milwaukee so far, and so has Oklahoma. So why are we crowning the Bucks, But I do. If you wanted to climb up the rankings to pass a team like Milwaukee, who right now has what a one or half game lead over the Sixers in the standings, they did beat them in their head-to-head. Lillard had like 170 fourth-quarter free throws. If I wanted to climb the rankings, I would be looking for the type of trade some Sixers fans want to see, like onboarding a Levine and Caruso, if you could get both for something like Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris and picks. Mm-hmm. But it's really difficult in their position because I think what they're analyzing is how much does that next move move the needle for us this year? How much of an incentive is there to help a guy having a historic season in Joel? You know, you don't want to mm-hmm. waste the prime of a guy, and this will be the fourth year he's been an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Not doing all you can if you called it a sin, you wouldn't be out of line, right? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you just made a smaller move, if you just brought in a DeLon Wright, a Tyus Jones, or just a Caruso, you might not move the needle to the point where Al and CP and I would say this team is going to beat Milwaukee or Boston or have to win two of those series on the road in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But if you wait till the summer, they could trade up to five first-round picks and have more than a max in cap space. And that's a difficult opportunity cost to play with, don't you think? Because even if – I know Knicks fans are burned thinking of what free agent we might be able to entice, and that does not even happen – we don't even get listed on the, on the short lists in Philly as much as in New York. Because <laughs> guys like Kyrie, KD, Jimmy Butler, Mikael Bridges, Dame Lillard, they all wanted to play in New York, whether that was Brooklyn or New York, because New York is a draw still. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly, not quite to the same degree – You'd have to be an absolute winner to get on that short list. So if you wanted to go that, that route, my boy Brian Toporek would say it's probably more of a 
double sign and trade high in the sky scenario because players don't change teams free agency. You see it with Siakam right now. He doesn't want to change teams unless he can control his destiny and sign that five-year max. OG is probably thinking the same thing, which is why as soon as I heard reports OG might sign for less than a max, I was like, he's either not at all because he'd be leaving like $100 million on the table or there's some real nasty CAA dirty tricks of Leon's son, his agent going on, where he's going to get his own like mansion to live in. Gracie Mansion is yours. Um, so I think if you're the Sixers, you got to weigh all that. What if we had the most possible stuff to work with in the summer? Or what if we have this trade we only kind of like right now that still depletes our assets? And it's Daryl's dilemma. And I don't know the answer. I'll flip it on you. What would you do if you were the Sixers? Would you go hard for Levine Caruso? Would you look at a Keldon Johnson? You know, would you look at a Kuzma DeLon Wright package and deplete your big summer where you have picks and space? I would probably think like I like the idea of Levine with the Sixers just because I think you could use another score. I think a name that Sixers have kind of like, have kind of been pushing off is Pascal Siakam, which would probably be a better fit. Um, you also get a fellow countryman for Joel Embiid, right? Both from Cameroon. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. And a guy who's there. always hurting Embiid now on his team. <laughs> yeah, and look, I, I think the thing is that it would help. You also get a guy defensively to help that team as well. If anything, I would try to get Siakam probably more at this point just because Levine's been out for so long. And then you start seeing the Bulls who going to last night's matchup were 10 and 6 without Levine. Now they're 10 and 7. The Bulls have looked better without Levine. So I'm questioning, like, is it is Levine even that worthy of somebody to go throw into a mix of what you got good right now with the Sixers? And does he actually tank that? Or would you rather just go get someone like Siakam, and which is more of a winning player? He's won a chip, all-star, right? I think Two-way he's more player, qualified, more sure. professional to take care of it. He's not on a supermax, and he doesn't make that. Uh, he doesn't have that knee history, and you know I know Levine has been a guy connected to the Knicks at least from rumors. You've had to hear about it, even if there's not like actually tricklings that Leon wants him. But yeah, that's when you look at those playing games where he would be completely deferential to DeRozan, and you're like, isn't Levine an all-star? What's he doing out there? And I just don't think he's looked like the same player as he's dealt with the knee cleanup and the wrist injury a couple of years removed from his last all-star season. So I don't, I'm not classifying him as a star and I'm not using him as he's a third star. You're better off with depth and complementary pieces. Don't go star hunting. Cause I'm like, I don't think Liz Levine is a star at this point. Anyway, if you could go get a star star, like Paul George, of course you do that. Yeah. I think what you re- really need now is more of like somebody who could be a star in their role or somebody who understands how to play off ball, which is, more of like a Seahawk. I'm not saying Levine can't, but I think that's more of the way. But can hey, let's we, keep. Can we steal a new newbie from you in the summer? No, you cannot. No, 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 no. We'll Absolutely max him. Not. I'll max him right now. Yeah, let's not. Do, yeah, no thanks. We're keeping OG. OG's been phenomenal. Love the defense. Love the three and D. He's already an OG have. in New York. Efficiency on low usage. He's been great for the Knicks so far. And he's nah, from London, gonna... so he probably loves the city. Yeah, he, he, he yeah, for sure. For sure. But salute to Knicks Nation for tuning in for this matinee edition of Game of the Week preview. With me on the other side is our guy, Dave Early. He's the lead voice for Liberty Ballers, part of SB Nation. And let me tell you guys about our sponsor today, Underdog Fantasy, okay? Guys, I love making the game a little bit more interesting as I'm watching along, whether it is watching the Knicks play or even any other basketball game that's on television. But when it's watching the Knicks, I like to 
have a little bit more fun. I like to put some money down on the line. You know what I mean? And what better than to do that with underdog fantasy? It's such an easy to use app. I like going on there and making my selections. You can choose anywhere between two to five players. And all you got to do is choose higher or lower on any of the statistical categories. And they give you a plethora of statistical categories to choose from, whether it be points, rebounds, assists, points, rebounds, and assists, free throws made, free throws attempted, three-pointers made, three-pointers attempted. They give you so many options. And on top of that, they give you spicy choices too, so that you can double, maybe even sometimes triple your earning. And so with that, it's just such a fun app to use. Definitely makes the game interesting. And I recommend everybody downloading and supporting our sponsors. So that's why you should go download the app, use the promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. Guys, go support Underdog Fantasy. Great, easy, fun to use. All right, Dave, let's get into this match. Let's get to the, to the crux of this discussion because this is going to be tough, man. This is going to be a tough matchup for the New York Knicks. We lost bench. We lost, we lost our depth, but the starting unit looks on fire. And I'm curious to see how this works with this matchup because you don't have one. You got two, two legitimate all-stars that we got to worry about on the other side. So are the Knicks. But it's different when you have an MVP caliber candidate in Joel Embiid who's just putting up historic numbers. He's leading the league in scoring again, just putting up even better scoring than he did last season. So I want to see how the Knicks face that challenge. But let's talk about some of the key statistics for this matchup. One of them I'm looking at right now is I'm looking at fast break points. Because with with Maxi, with guys like Ubre out there, uh, you guys are able to score in transition pretty well. And that's why you guys are third in the league right now when it comes to scoring in transition. Um, what do you make off of that? I think that's, that's a point of emphasis when it comes to the Knicks, just because Knicks are currently, after the Mitchell Robinson injury, they're 13th. And when you're looking at opponent fast break points, this is a place where the Knicks actually struggle. They're ranked 22nd in the league. So trying to keep up with a fast-paced team like that, that's going to be pretty difficult, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm always... I'm always cognizant of Mitchell Robinson when the Sixers have to play the Knicks because he's so rangy. Um, he's physical. He's a bruiser. I mean, he puts Joel on his butt or into the stands a couple times per game. We have to worry about. And he would have given, you know, the Celtics in the past have had some success putting a guy like Derek White or Marcus Smart on Embiid at the nail knowing that a Robert Williams or an Al Horford or sometimes both were waiting at the rim. And that has absolutely stymied Joel in the past, that type of look, which the Knicks could have executed with OG. You know, OG's one of the best perimeter defenders in the game, but if he had to on a switch, could he guard Joel? And the answer is yes, if he knew Mitchell was back there waiting for help. But without that, with Hartenstein, you know, I think that Joel's probably, and the game's in Philadelphia, right? So I think that mm -hmm. he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt on some of those calls Knicks fans hate. And um, he's going he's gonna to be a monster. And it's, it's, as you pointed out, as you alluded to, it's the stops you get that allow you to get out and run. Without Robinson, that, that presence is felt because the Knicks drop defensively. I think they're out of the top half of defensive rating. And it certainly cost them on fast break points. And that'll be less to worry about for Philadelphia if New York can't stop Joe in the paint. Yeah, and it's, it's going to have to come down to stopping Joel and beat in the paint. And that's just kind of my biggest worry with this team right now is that 
you know, you're looking at points off of turnovers, just sticking out in the transition scoring, right? Like Philadelphia is seventh when it comes to scoring off of turnovers. And so Knicks who have been, especially last night, have been careless with the basketball, you know, the game can easily run out of hand, especially when you're going against uh, a team like Philadelphia who's playing really well so far. So for me, I'm looking at, you're going to have to get back on defense to stop this, but then you're also going to have to protect the rock as well. And Knicks have been usually a good team at protecting the ball, but there have been some instances where it's like making too many careless, careless errors. Yeah. If you make careless errors, you can almost feel this season when this, especially when the Sixers are at home and Joel's in the lineup, you could feel that there's no pressure on some of these role players. You see guys like DeAnthony Melton, who's been a little bit banged up, taking these transition threes that he wasn't taking as comfortably last year. Mm-hmm. You see Kelly Oubre with the quickest trigger I, I can remember on, an, on in a Sixers uniform other than like J.J. Redick. And I'm like, this guy is a very confident player. Um, and Nick Nurse has them getting stops and feeling like, maybe Daryl Morey's preaching this too, just get those open looks up. We'll live with the results. The numbers will work out in our favor over time. And if you let them get that and if you let them hit a few, it's, it's good night. And that's why they have the best point differential in the NBA because when they get a lead, they've just been potent. And that's something Philadelphia fans have not enjoyed. Usually they get a big lead and we just absolutely know in our heart of hearts it's going to be down to six within a minute. Now, the one thing I will say about the 76ers, even though they can dish it in attacking and transition, they're not great at defending the fast break, though. They are ranked 26. So that's where I'm looking at the Knicks. Like, they're not the worst. They're around, they're closer to the league average, but that's where they really have to, they're going to have to attack. And that's the one thing I'll say that's been encouraging about watching the Knicks with OG Ananobi on this roster is that they'll move at a faster pace. So I, I'm confident that the starters can do it. Not sure about the bench, but definitely the starters can definitely get out there and move in, tra- in transition. Yeah, all right, so are you penciling in? Who are you penciling in as the next starting group? Do you have DDD out there again? Yeah, Dante DiVincenzo is going to be out there. He's part of the starting rotation. He's solidified just because he's been aggressive shooting the three ball, and I think you need that, you need that secondary ball handler out there just to alleviate Brunson. Um, as we, like, if it's just Brunson out there, and we've seen this, especially in the closing fourth quarter, where it's like a Brunson, Josh Hart, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, and Isaiah Hartenstein. Like Hartenstein can be a playmaker as a big man working out of the high at the high post, but you need somebody who can also bring up the rock and just keep the opponent's defense honest. Keep that pressure on, yeah. There also might be an element of are we showcasing him because his contract is quite movable right now. Um, but yeah, they still have guys that they can throw at Tyrese Maxey. I mean, I know Quick is gone. He would have been an ideal guy to run up and down with him. They know each other well. They play together, and Quick's an excellent defender, um, even despite his size. Without that, I think you probably want to up Hart's minutes a little bit um, because he can definitely move laterally very, very well with power mm-hmm. in a way that few other Knicks can, right, to – because Maxi's so fast. I mean, he's a blur. He goes from zero to 100 like yeah. that. So, I, you know, I would definitely, if Tibbs is thinking defensively, which he always is, he, he'll probably look to ramp up Hart's minutes just a little bit, I would guess. Um, but that's not his only option. And you mentioned the turnovers. The turnovers could be what dictates uh, how the game is decided. For sure. Another area that I'm going to be interested in, it comes to second chance 
opportunities. The Knicks, even though they have lost Mitchell Robinson, they are still in the t- they are still sixth. They're currently sixth since Mitchell Robinson's injury. The Knicks are sixth right now in second chance opportunities. Isaiah Hartenstein has been playing very well. Julius Randle is still a top 10 when it comes to players, when it comes to getting second chance opportunities. OG Ananobi is just solid at getting second chance opportunities from the one of minutes I've seen from him on this team. So the Knicks are strong, but so are the Philadelphia 76ers. They're a strong team when it comes to getting second chance opportunities as well. Uh, they're eighth right now in the league uh, and the season as a whole. And But when it comes to looking at opponents, right, the Sixers are stifling when it comes to preventing second-chance opportunities. And the Knicks, even though they are still ranked in the top five, they have taken they have fallen off to 19th since Mitchell Robinson's injury just because you're missing that rim protection. So I'm curious to see where this goes. I'm wondering if the 76ers can continue to stive off uh, second-chance opportunities in this matchup against the Knicks, who are a good second-chance opportunity team. Yeah, to me, that's a really fascinating element. And it connects to your transition opportunities, right? Because I think if we had Daryl Morey on the pod, he would probably talk about how this Sixers team crashes the offensive glass more so than last year. And we see that as a net benefit, even though we're giving up more second chance points on the other end. And I'm sure he's got some master algorithm that tells him that this is worth it. (laughs) You know, going for those offensive boards. As long as we clean our own glass and we occasionally get an offensive rebound look, we'll live with some of the fast break points we give up. And sometimes his numbers work out in his favor. And so far this year, they are. Could that regress? And could the Knicks capitalize on that? That, you know, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Absolutely. And then the last, the last thing, which kind of works is partially to second chance opportunities is points in the paint, both the Sixers and the Knicks, not good at preventing second chance uh, sorry, both the Knicks and the Sixers not good at stopping or protecting the paint as of right now. What do you make of that? I don't know what to make of it. What, what do you think? I mean, they have Joel Embiid. Shouldn't they be better at this? That's right. That's what I would think, but they're ranked 18. So they're below average. Uh, when you look at the, when you look at the, like where they rank in the league, like it's not too far off, but still I would expect them with Joel Embiid to be higher up when it comes to protecting the paint but maybe it go it might go back to you know i'm not an expert in this category i'm just kind of guessing now it might go back to those transition opportunities if you feel we're better off sending tobias to crash every time or one of Ubre, who's athletic and he you know he's got that good second jump to crash are we okay giving up some of those second chance points and if we are you know those points are going to be in the paint or wide open corner threes so I think it's probably some sort of feedback loop system there mm. with their decision to crash the glass a little more. I like that theory. I'm going to be looking out for that. And, this, is, this is my random guess. I don't know. There we go. I'm going to be looking out for that. But those are my, those are my key statistics I got to look at for this game. And I, and I just know Philly is a solid defensive team overall. Um, so this is going to be an interesting matchup. What's your confidence interval for the Knicks getting a win on the road? I'm pretty confident. I, I, like, I like the starting rotation. I like the... OG Ananobi has solved part of the defensive issue that we've had with the Knicks, which is someone has to guard the best player. Now, I'm not expecting him to guard Embiid. I would be ex- I'm expecting him to guard Maxi tomorrow um, just because Dante DiVincenzo, like, that's what I'm expecting right now. Obviously, things can change by possession to possession, uh, lineups to lineups, but I'm expecting that you have to put OG on Maxi. 
You got to probably hide. Is do you know if D'Anthony Melton's playing tomorrow? Or uh, I'm not sure yet. I know that he missed the last one. Let me see. I know Covington was out on the last one. No, it's not up yet. So I don't think we know. Yeah, the, the way that because the thing is like you're either got to put Brunson on Ubre because you're gonna have Batum out there. I'm gonna expect Randall on Batum, I heart on Bead. OG's probably gonna be on Maxi then. Um, See, OG is exactly the type of player who's given Maxi trouble. Boston has given Maxi trouble because they can go Tatum, Brown, White, hmm? smart in the past. And those guys for sure give Maxi trouble, and especially when you can pair up and combine those guys into taking off his drive to the right. But it's also exhausting, and OG doesn't have the same type of help unless you're pairing him with Josh Hart. Um, on the floor. So it's an exhausting chore to do and run around. Tibbs might want to watch not just his minutes, but maybe more so the number of possessions that he has to run around with a guy like Tyrese, who's, who's uh, Brett Brown would call water bug guard. <laughs> and this is where it's going to be interesting how Tibbs will man the Dante Hart uh, rotation be because yeah. that's who you, Hart usually gets the closing. Like in the fourth quarter, when it comes to closing, it's usually Josh Hart. Uh, first night with OG Ananobi against the Timberwolves. We needed more playmaking, another guard that could bring up the ball. So you needed Dante back in there. Uh, it that's this is where it gets start. It starts to get tricky, especially with the Philadelphia 76ers. But this is where it goes to my key matchup, man. Where I'm looking at Jalen Brunson versus Tyrese Maxey, the battle of the guards, man. Both electric. Uh, Maxey, as you mentioned, he's a blur. Just taking another leap this season in his scoring production. Dude has just been on one. The guy that they really needed outside of James Harden, man. Like, Maxie's given you everything. The playmaking, the scoring, um, the ability to push in transition. Like, that. it's everything the Sixers needed. But Jalen Brunson, we already know how he is. And the one thing that's been surprising for me is that Brunson now has 27 assists over the last two games with this new spacing. You have a willing cutter in OG Ananobi. Julius Randle has more space to operate. You got Dante DiVincenzo knocking down threes. You got a passing big like iHeart. It's just helped open Brunson's game as well. And through the last 10 games, Brunson's averaging 26 points. This He's averaging close to eight assists right now. Shooting 45% from the field, 35% from downtown, 90% from the free throw line. I'm like I'm looking at this matchup as my key matchup because it always starts with the head of the snake when it comes to who's going to win. Like Embiid, yes, we get it, but it's setting those guys up. And this is where you know you look at, like I said, it's going to be OG on Maxi. Who's guarding Brunson though? It would have no answer for Jalen Brunson as we've seen pretty much every time the Sixers play the Knicks, and that's not uh, the Sixers aren't alone there. I mean, there's not a lot of answers for this guy. You put a big guy on him, and he's just going to give a series of fakes to confuse you. If you put a little guy on him, he can kind of do whatever he wants, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. then he doesn't feel like he's too small and has to really dive into his bag. Um, he's, just a, he's just an absolute beast, and I do expect him to get the better of Tyrese in this one because he's a little bit more vet savvy built in. His, his ability to get in the paint, and then make a good decision, like you said, leads to either assists or free throws for him way too often. Um, If the Knicks do win, for me, I expect the Sixers to win this one because I think Embiid will be healthy. But I expect it to be close, like it always is when these teams play. But if the Knicks do win, I think it'll be a lower-scoring game where the Knicks have quite a few second-chance points and a guy like Randall is a monster game. 
And maybe a guy like OG or DDV hits a few threes to, uh, to help put you over the top. Yeah, yeah. I, I, guess, I can see a point out like that. But outside of the Brunson-Maxi matchup, you then have the others like I saw discussed. Like we got Randall, who I think is going to be playing against Batum. I heart on Embiid. That's going to be a very big matchup, man, because it's not just about slowing down Maxi. I mean, Embiid, the way that he's scoring, you're going to probably have to start doubling Embiid, you know, asking for help defense. And it can't be OG if he's going to be guarding Maxi. So you got to start looking at Randall, who's probably going to be down there in the paint as well to help guard. So the Knicks got to get out of that first quarter. If, because Embiid tends to play the vast majority of the first quarter now, he plays a little bit longer than when Doc was here. Doc used to pull him a little bit sooner than Nick. If he's doing work and he's putting two guys in foul trouble by the end of the first, I'm going to go on DraftKings and, <laughs> and play some money line bet. Um, but if not, if the Knicks have a lead after one and now Joel has to come out and you're facing Paul Reed and there's really no answer for Julius Randle if he's on the money, right? Like we're hoping for him to have one of those three of 12 games he's famous for. Ain't happening right now, my man. No, I Ain't know. Happening right now. <laughs> Maybe we, we need to call up Clint Capella and see if that helps. Yeah, it's uh I don't see Randall doing that. He's been on he's been on a great streak right now, man. He's yeah. Aver- I mean, through the last 20 games, he's just been absolutely a monster. So I don't see him slowing down anytime. I mean, with this new spacing, I could just see it just continuing for for Julius. Um but salute to Knicks Nation. Thank you all for tuning in for another matinee edition of the game of the week preview we're previewing the new york knicks facing the philadelphia 76ers with me on the other side is my guy dave early he's the lead voice for liberty ballers part of the sba sb nation network make sure to support our sponsor underdog fantasy use that promo code kftb to get up to a 100 match so to all the franchise channel members in here and all the regulars all right let's wrap up let's wrap up this discussion move on to the to the bench and my x factor Bench is going to be tough, man. <laughs> and the way that it's been looking so far is that you need either Brunson or Randall out there to help man that unit. And it, I mean, we had Brunson play 41 against Minnesota. We had him play 38 against, uh, against Chicago last night. And, you know, right now that second unit has been Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, uh, Josh Hart, Julius Randall, Precious Achua out there. And if it's not McBride, you're bringing in Jalen Brunson. Still run with that group just because you need somebody to help be that creator, right? And that's kind of what quickly offered that second unit. We don't have that now. Sure, you could say we need McBride and give Grimes some time to adjust because these are larger roles that they have to adjust to, and it's only been two games. But as they transition into that and getting more familiar with those roles, you still got to win the game, and that's where it's been asking Brunson and Randall to take on more opportunity, more of a responsibility to keep the Knicks in this game. And I, when I look at Julius Randle out there when he's with McBride, there's just not enough. There's no one honoring the shooting of everybody else. And they can just guard the paint because McBride, he's a little hesitant. Grimes, he's probably your only most reliable shooter out there. Josh Hart, sometimes he pump fakes too much instead of taking an open three when he's when he has a wide open look. Julius has just been better attacking downhill than he has been at shooting threes, even though he's been shooting the three ball a little bit better so far in these last stretch of games. And then Precious, we already know what he is. Or even if you have iHeart out there, not really going to stress the floor that much. It, it's tough, and that's why you bring Brunson back out there. So for this second unit, this bench unit, it's do the Knicks have enough gas in the tank to keep up with the 76ers bench? But what has the Sixers bench been like this season? Yeah, before, before I mention that, I think a guy like 
Quentin Grimes coming in and providing a little bit of offense right off the bench would just take so much pressure off of Tibbs, right? And thinking of his rotation, because he was like, all right, now I have a six foot five defender I could put out there on, Ma- on Maxi, spell OG a little bit so I could play him 40 minutes if I need to. Um, and it would be a massive thing if I didn't have to give Hart all of those minutes. Uh, on the Sixer side, the bench has been good. I mean, Paul Reed, he looked fabulous in Orlando filling in for Joel. He looked like a good offseason uh, keep for them at this point. Sixers are really deep at this point. You won't see them at their deepest because I'm not sure the status of Melton and Covington. Um, but Marcus Morris, as you well know, he's not the worst player. And he has played some good minutes. He has played some head-scratching minutes. You kind of know what you're getting from him. I mean, he's got the hashtag dog in his, uh, <laughs> on his resume. He, he was, uh, I know Knicks fans cheered him when he, like, kneed Ben Simmons in the head, bopped, uh, si- <laughs> bop, bopped Simba in the head with the ball. And then what did he say to, to Miss Harlow? Like, that's a female trait. I don't, I don't respect that or something. He has a checkered checkered history. He's certainly a character. (laughs) Yeah. And so we've got that hashtag dog. We've got Patrick Beverly, who Patrick Beverly has been good enough defensively at the backup point in an off-ball role where some fans are saying, we don't need to trade for a guy like DeLon Wright or Tyus Jones. And other fans are saying, no, he hasn't. So, you know, he's a little bit up and down, as you expect from guys on vet men's. And I'm not sure exactly what look you'll get depending on that Melton injury. You might see Oubre reinserted. You might see Batum get a few more minutes. But the, but the Sixers are easily one of the deepest teams in the league right now. Yeah, and that's, Which is why so many fans want to see them make a splash trade, consolidate. Yeah, and look, we saw that with the Knicks too, right? Talk about consolidating. And it makes sense, especially when you get somebody that fits, right? You're looking for fit at this point, not necessarily like, like the Knicks, like you have your two stars, you're looking for fit now and trying to move it forward. Sixers, you have your, you have your two stars and you're trying to look for that fit. Uh, right? I'm still looking like for a star fit. if I can get one, but yeah. I mean, I, I get that. Like everyone's looking for that third star. Um, I would have called OG that if they could have got him. I would have said, you know, star enough. Yeah, star in his role, right? Star, star in, in his, his role. role, yeah. A star in that role, to me, I mean, you saw it with Mikhail Bridges. Was anyone in Phoenix upset to max him when he wasn't doing the type of creation, on-ball creation he's doing in Brooklyn even then? But they were still... And maybe they should have gave him that opportunity out in Phoenix and you don't have that issue that you have now. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and that's kind of a hot take. Shouldn't have traded for KD. Uh, you still trade for KD if you can, but, yeah, you yeah. know, they, I feel like sometimes you got to explore what you have on that roster before you start I have that it, tattoo, trade for KD if you can. <laughs> but the last topic I got... For you, Dave, I want to know who who this category fits for on the Sixers is the X factor in this game. For me, it's OG Ananobi, man. Um, he's going to be the X factor, and I have him as the X factor because he's going to be charged with the difficult task of guarding Tyrese Maxey, right? He's going to have to be the disruptor because Joel Embiid can't do it all by himself. But then on the other side, just continue what he's been doing for the Knicks so far, which is being a good slasher, getting the easy second-chance opportunity points, being a guy who can just finish through contact, making those making those two-handed leaps and getting the two-handed flush. And then on top of that, the big thing, knocking down threes, man. That's going to be the big thing. His, in his debut, he went 3-6 uh, from downtown. Last night, only had one three-pointer. 
uh, out of his attempts. I think he took three, four attempts, but I'm, we're going to need a little bit more than that against the 76ers because offensively they could be potent, especially with Tobias Harris playing as well. He has been this season and, you know, Kelly Oubre can be a guy who can just be a microwave score, get hot in a second. Um, or they're going to need <laughs> or just be ice cold, <laughs> but look, you're going to have to keep up with scoring. Right. And it's not realistic to stop Embiid. You try to contain him, but we're going to have to match firepower with firepower. Yes, we're going to get it from Brunson. We're going to get it from Randall. But OG has to be able to fill in offensively while being that disruptor on defense. That's why he's my X factor for tomorrow's game. Who's your X factor for the Sixers? I'm going to agree with you on the X factor overall being OG, how he plays. I mean, his last game as a Raptor, you know, they faced Boston, they only lost by two points. And a lot of that was his, his defense. Like Derek White was held at two of 10 from three, five of 19 from the field. He's a very, very versatile defender. And so he could give the Sixers, you mentioned him guarding Maxi. I wouldn't be surprised to see him guarding every Sixer that's out there at some point or another and giving mm-hmm. them problems. Um, obviously, Embiid has a lot of pounds on him to take him inside, but that's where iHeart will be behind him, right? So, mm-hmm. X factor from the Sixers' point of view, maybe I'll say Nico Batum because I think he's an underrated player. And I think that while Tobias Harris takes the third most field goals on the team, um, you kind of know what you're getting with Tobias. He's not a guy who typically surprises you. He's Mm -hmm. a solid overall performer. He's content in a role. He's relatively content in a role that's not his favorite, as his father agent has made Clear, a phrase I always like to sneak in if I can, father agent. Kind of sounds biblical, doesn't it? Um, And I think Nico, though, I mean, have you seen this guy's release? If you throw him the ball over his head, he just catches and fires without having to. You don't got to remind me. When he was on the Clippers last season, he had a three against the Knicks. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was just, it was one of those possessions where it's like, we just needed a rebound. He Then the ball finds him. He knocks down the three. I'm like, that's the game. And the crowd, no matter what crowd it's in, when he hits one of those, they're like, ooh, I didn't even expect him to take that. And he makes them. Yeah. So he's my X factor because if he's providing you reliable 3 and D prowess, both ends of the floor, Sixers are really tough to beat. For sure. For sure. Well, Dave, I know I'm going to – it would be ridiculous to ask who do you think is going to win tomorrow because I know you're going to choose the Sixers. I already said I think they're going to win. So yeah. I'll, I'll stick with it, yeah. Yeah, I know you're going to choose the Sixers. I'm going to choose the Knicks. How do you think this game goes? you think it's going to be tightly contested? I do, I do. I, I think of these games where they've played in the past. I think of James Harden's debut mm-hmm. where, like, the whole first half, the Sixers were ice cold. And if you get one of those games, Wells Fargo Center is a cold arena. It's one of those arenas that has to preserve the ice. Mm. And if you get cold there, and then the fans turn on you a little bit and boo, it could really filter into that second half. That would be my recipe to Tibbs. Get out of halftime with the crowd feeling a little antsy. Um, mm. and, and that's how you steal this one. Okay. All right. Well, Dave, appreciate your time for coming on the show. I think it's going to be a close, closely uh, contested game as well. I think it's going to go all the way down to the fourth quarter. And it's going to have to be between... Randall's really been playing very well in the fourth quarter. Um, as yeah. of late, I can see this going down between Embiid and Randall's shot making. I feel like that's how it's going to end tomorrow. It's going to be between who's going to overpower in the paint. So I've you seen this, thinking, I see the last few buckets coming down to them. 
You have me thinking of that game where Randall polished off the Miami Heat, the tail end of last year's regular season. Remember that game? Yeah. And Randall and Jimmy just shrugged. Jimmy was like, "All right, nothing I can do now." Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it being a three though. I see it either being like a baseline right side mid mid range jumper M1s. for or or an and one while driving into traffic. That's yeah. what I see from Randall if it's going to be if it's going to be that. And I see the same thing with like a B, just like somewhere in that fifteen foot to like closer range if it comes down to the final buckets. Yeah, if Randall checks Twitter and sees that there are some Sixers fans who thinks Tobias Harris is better than him, then maybe he'll get some bulletin board material to uh, <laughs> to run rough rough shot over them. Oh, man. But, Dave, thank you for coming on the show, man. Appreciate the time, as always. Please let our listeners know where they can find you if you got any upcoming work. I got uh, at David Early on Twitter. All my work is at LibertyBallers.com. I am about to send out a promo of my own podcast, The Out of Sight, I host with Adil Royster. I'm going to write a Sixer stock watch, which is something I do weekly. And I'm going to hopefully tear the Sixers a new one for playing Joel Embiid 30 minutes on his new ankle injury. A few games ago, and say if he looks, if he's visibly hurt, get him out of the game. Let's do that moving forward until April. Oh man, we could talk about playing uh, players too many minutes with Tom Thibodeau on this side too, and getting players injured. But we yeah. won't go that route. Dave, appreciate. No, it's you. over. <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show, man, and helping me preview this game. And Knicks Nation, thank you all for tuning in for another game of the week preview. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to share these videos and the links, okay? It helps us out greatly. We're, we're closing in on 70K. We need you all to share these links so that way we get to 70K subscribers on YouTube. We're so close. We're only four, about 400 away. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Also, remember, if you can't catch the show live, you can always go to any of the audio listening platforms, whether it be Apple, Spotify, wherever you catch your, wherever you catch your podcast, we'll be there as well. You can check us out there. Also, make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. Also, go to our website, man, KnicksFanTV.com. We got articles dropping every day. We just have a Remy's recap off of last night's game, so make sure to go check that out. And we'll catch you tomorrow for after the game. And look, we got play-by-play back. We got JD coming back doing tomorrow's play-by-play, so make sure to tune into that as well. All right, everyone, we'll catch you later. We out. Appreciate it. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com